La casa de mis sueños cuesta 30 años de mi salario Algunas entradas extra Excesos en los horarios No sé muy bien Making music is a very, very beautiful way to put good stuff in the heart of somebody else, of, on your own heart, in the heart of your people. These two vocations uh, as theologian, as artist, uh, combines in that intersection. You know, uh, trying to, to to give something for the shift of our mindset in terms of our theological comprehension and at the same time in a language that goes directly to our hearts. La casa de mis sueños, la casa de mis sueños, yo ya no la quiero. My name is Angel Torero. I want to welcome you to On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham. What can Christians in Indiana learn from Christians in Indonesia? How can church leaders in Mumbai equip pastors in Miami, which is where I live and serve? On this podcast, we listen in on conversations between Chris Wright and church leaders in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, where my family has their roots. We hope you discover how much wisdom the church in the West has to gain from their sisters and brothers in villages and towns around the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Langham Partnership, a ministry founded by John Stott to equip church leaders in the majority world. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham and explore more resources from global church leaders. Our host is Dr. Christopher J.H. Wright, known to many as Chris Wright, a respected theologian and award-winning author of more than 30 books, including critically acclaimed The Mission of God, Unlocking the Bible's Grand Narrative. When he's not writing books, Chris serves as Global Ambassador and Ministry Director for Langham. Today, we take you on a slightly different approach to being on mission. Chris talks with Santiago Benavides of Colombia, a songwriter and musical artist who is currently living and ministering among Latin American immigrant communities in Canada. Santiago's music has taken him all over the world, a gift that he's paired with a theology degree to create music that points people to the beauty, love, and joy found in Christ. Their lively conversation covers a lot of ground, so much that we had to break it into two parts. I hope you enjoy this fascinating discussion on the intersection of art and theology, and if you'd like to hear more of Santiago's music, we'll have a link in the description for this episode. Dame una fe sencilla Como risa de niños cuando juegan Como gota de rocío que se rueda Como cruz de rústica madera Welcome to On Mission with me, Chris Wright. And today we're off to Toronto in Canada. But my guest there actually comes from Colombia in Latin America. And his name is Santiago Benavides. So welcome to you, Santiago. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. Uh, for me, it's a privilege, a privilege to be with you and to share with the people who are listening to us. Uh, so thank you. 
Indeed. Now, uh, Santiago is a rather unique and unusual among those who have joined me here on this podcast. Uh, he's not a Langham scholar, like many that I talked to, but he did study under a Langham scholar who had a massive influence on his life, and we'll come to that a bit later. And he's not a Langham writer, but he is a songwriter, and he writes and sings songs in a quite remarkable musical ministry that we will also talk about. But he has been involved with Langham preaching because he was part of one of the very early Escuelitas, or little preachers' schools or groups that were started by Jorge Atiencia in Colombia and then morphed into Langham preaching all over Latin America. And as well as that, he's been very much involved in church-based ministry and leadership of all sorts himself. So welcome again, Santiago. And let's start just as we usually do, if you'd tell us a bit about yourself and your wife and family and perhaps a little bit about your journey into personal faith and what you're doing in Canada yeah, Well, thank you. Well, my name, as you said, is Santiago Enavides. Very well pronounced, Chris. Thank you for that. <laughs> I am kind of getting used to be... Santiago, Vena, Vides, and many other <laughs> possibilities here. Uh, I was, uh, I grew up in Venezuela. I was born in 1977, so I'm 44 now. I grew up in a small town in Venezuela called El Limon, the lemon, literally. <laughs> it was good name. Yeah, good name. It was um, a very, very nice, nice little settlement in the Venezuelan shore. Um, I grew up there up to my until I was 11 and at that time I went back to Colombia which was my home it is my homeland and yes when I was in Colombia I started to realize that I wasn't as good as I thought playing football soccer <laughs> and maybe because of that I you know find my vocation in the arts. So I found a guitar at that time, you know, uh, there was very, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of singing in Latin America. It always has been, but at that time, the movement of the Nueva Trova, the new Latin American song was, you know, very, very strong at the time. And I was touched by that and started singing uh, in a Jesuit a school down there in Colombia. Uh, well, now I am married to Diana, uh, 21 years now, and we got two kids, uh, Maria, uh, who is 16, and Santi, Santi Jr., who is 14. Yes, we live now here in Toronto. We came, you know, to, uh, you know, um, seeking for new, new frontiers, new boundaries, uh, in our lives, uh, we we think that God has called us to bring some of the you know Latin American spiritual musical heritage to the rest of the world. So I would say that that is one of the main reasons we are here. And so, are you mainly working among the Latin American community in Toronto? Or among the mainly, Canadians, as we might yes, say. Yes, mainly, but well, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm working hard on my English. Uh, yes. I hope to speak better than ten years ago when we first met. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. And yes, hopefully uh, we would like to start, you know, um, building up, uh, uh, you know, some ties with English speaking communities here as well. Yeah. And is that a, uh, I believe that you're there with a mission agency, the Latin America mission. Uh, is that from Latin America to North America, as it were? Well, I will, not traditionally. Yes, it, mm -hmm. it was the traditional old kind of fashion way. Uh, you know, yes. uh, the, the, the missionary who's it, coming from the uh, from the north to the south. And, but now with this change of paradigm, I, I would say that they are, you know, uh, getting open to the possibility that workers from Latin America, I mean, uh, Christian workers from Latin America come to the societies to, to be an influence also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things we're learning on these podcasts regularly is that mission is from everywhere to everywhere. Absolutely. And it's as much from the south to the north as the other way around and the east to the west and vice versa. Um, so that's what you're doing. So does this um, ministry in Canada at the moment, does it have a, a time frame? Are you planning a certain number of years there and then a return or is it just waiting for the Lord's direction? Well, waiting for the Lord's direction always. Uh, but, you know, at uh, this moment of our lives, uh, the fa the family you know family matters also a lot and our kids are they they love Canada <laughs> they love Colombia also but they love Canada they they feel very you know welcomed here and very adapted to the culture so they are longing you know to complete their studies process mm -hmm. here in Canada so. Yes, we are open to that possibility and we are asking the Lord, you know, the means to do so. Yeah, no, that's 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 great to know. And so you said a little bit earlier that uh, you went to a Jesuit school. So presumably you grew up very much within the predominant majority religious faith in Colombia, which is Roman Catholicism. So how did you come to a, perhaps a more personal faith uh, in an evangelical sense? Well, yes, I grew up in a Catholic school, which was just, um, by the way, a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yes, sure. uh, indeed, you know, the priest I was in contact with, uh, they were, uh, until I could see, you know, truly uh, witnesses of the gospel, uh, very influenced by the you know the the, the winds of the time you know uh, the mm -hmm. um, liberation uh, theology and things like that you know but they put in our hearts not in, not just in mine that in in many of our classmates um, this this concept that uh, Christianity was about also, is it was not only about a spiritual thing or something, just to put it that way, but also it was something that had to be uh, with our, you know, commitment to others, and especially those who were in some kind of disadvantage. Uh, yeah. So, yes, it was a wonderful experience. It was such a wonderful experience that I decided to be a priest. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that was the start of my, you know, theological interest. I decided I wanted mm -hmm. to be 
a priest. And then when I was ending my, my high school, I, you know, was invited by my parents to a Christian church, an evangelical church. And I went with a lot of prejudice, you know, you can imagine. And it was very surprising to me to found, you know, to find the people singing very, very nice songs, simple, but at the same time, touchy songs. And I felt uh, touched. And I remember that uh, there was an ex-drunk man sharing his testimony, a very simple thing, not at all sophisticated. And he just told us that he was, uh, you know, an alcoholic. And now that he met Jesus, he has met Jesus. um, uh, You know, the money is not going uh, anymore to the bar <laughs> to the tavern yeah. and is becoming you know notebooks for their for her kids his kids and flowers for the spouse and things like that and after that he asked if somebody in that place would like to accept jesus and i didn't know at all what was about what was it about <laughs> i just raised my hand and passed uh, to the front and yes that was that was it pretty much the thing and it is start my my pathway with jesus yeah. at the time yeah so in a sense it was it was a making real of a faith that in many ways you already had uh from your upbringing and from the priests in the in the school it's interesting that what you were saying about how certainly in the catholic church in latin america there was um, especially in the uh, 70s and 80s and following uh, a very strong commitment to uh, the poor and the needy and to issues of social justice and 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 and, and so on which at the time perhaps sadly many evangelicals resisted uh, and because they were much more into purely a kind of gospel that would get you to heaven absolutely uh, when you die rather than a gospel that had made any difference in transforming lives in the present um, have you found through your own ministry and work, and we'll obviously come to your music and everything in a moment, but are are there evangelicals in Colombia who are more in line with a, a, a holistic sense of gospel and mission to the whole of society and to human need rather than a purely spiritual message? Absolutely, absolutely. And I would say that the most surprising thing about that is that I found them many times among those who has uh, near to known <laughs> uh, you know influence by the by you know the academic uh, theologic backgrounds is very interesting of course the theologic backgrounds uh, bring something which is very important crucial and that for me has been very you know it, beautiful i could say um to visit some brothers who have no idea what holistic mission is i mean in, in terms of the concept you know but they are doing yeah. holistic mission They're just doing it yeah yes uh, exactly. pentecostal yeah. brothers and pentecostal church very charismatic church they yeah. they even don't know <laughs> who and i'm saying this with my utmost respect but who uh, rene padillo was Exactly. Bad. And Mm -hmm. he was such a wonderful teacher, one of the deepest influences in my life, which I am very grateful for. 
Uh, but these brothers maybe don't know about him and they are, uh, you know, working with this, yeah. you know, um, emphasis uh, in serving others, which leads me to think that it was, it is, um, you know, a, a gift from the spirit, not just something that yes. comes from a particular thinker. Yeah. I, th I think you're absolutely right. I, I think there is something intrinsic, something almost instinctive, intuitive, that when believers really are filled with the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, they start to behave like the Lord Jesus exactly. Christ. Exactly. <laughs> without, without having to have lectures in holistic missiology, uh, they just get on and do it. Um, and, and then others can think it through and say, well, you know, where does this fit with the Bible and everything else? But I think I've, I've seen this in other parts of the world as well. I mean, talking to friends and brothers, for example, in Lebanon, uh, where Christian churches have reached out to Syrian Muslim refugees who up until recently had been their vicious enemies and reached out to them with love and compassion and um, food and drink and shelter and everything else. And so many of them are coming to faith. And anyway, th those those churches didn't need lectures in theology admission. Exactly. They just intuitively did the Christ-like thing. And, and God is honored and, and Christ and the Holy Spirit responds. So... No, I think that's that's very worth worth recognizing. Why don't we turn to your musical ministry and gifts? You, you said that quite early in life you picked up a guitar uh, and uh, enjoyed singing and so on, but you're much more now than just an amateur guitar player <laughs> or even a pretty ham one like me. You're, you're a professional musician. So what was it that led you to feel that as a calling, as a vocation and a career uh, into music for the Lord? Well, there are two, two, yes, two lines in that. Uh, one if is music itself, which I love. I maybe I discovered music or my love for music when I was very young. Maybe yes, during my childhood, I remember that my dad has had an Italian friend who was all the time very homesick. <laughs> <laughs> living in Venezuela, missing a lot his beloved Italy. And he used to sing songs in Italian. He had a cassette. I don't know if you, yes, for sure. You remember what a cassette was, you know. Oh, I remember <laughs> Exactly. And he had cassettes from San Remo Festival, which is a very famous festival there in Italy. He, he used, you know, to play those eh, cassettes. Cuando parti per te, solo per la città. Forse poi penserete dove girando va. He start kind of singing and crying at the very same time and for some reason, although I didn't and until now I don't I don't know a word of Italian. Um, well, the way he felt about those songs affected me at the point that I, I felt that sometimes I also wanted to cry, you know, when hearing these songs. Uh, so I start realizing uh, that there was something in music that was uh, 
that had, you know, the capacity to touch my heart in a very deep level. Um, and I, I wanted and I want, and that is one of the main, you know, struggles for me as a professional musician, not to forget this, that I have to look for that place where, you know, at, um, the pleasure and the, and the pain, you know, meets mm -hmm. each other. It's yeah. something, uh, it's very special for me, you know. Uh, you know, it's, it was painful for, for him to remember his land, but at the same time, it was such a pleasure to, to listen to him, you know. And, 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 and in my it's case... It's in the way, isn't it? No. So, so much, so much art and music and literature comes from pain and suffering and somehow is able to transform them into things of beauty and uh, that give joy and pleasure. I mean, it, it's a paradox, isn't it? But it's perhaps it speaks of God himself, that he is able to take that which is broken and painful and suffering and through art and music uh, of all sorts to, to in some ways, redeem it. Uh, that, that God wins in the end, as it were. Absolutely. It's interesting. Absolutely. It's because uh, in pain, there's something that makes us brothers and sisters. You know, for mm -hmm. some reason, when we found, when we find each other, you know, in these um, places of pain and pain at different levels, of course, you know, um, that we can relate to others in those about this, those places and feelings and, yeah. you know, experiences. Aprovecha que tenemos el regalo de la vida Que un te quiero está tiempo todavía Que perdóname es que curan las heridas Aprovecha que tus ojos son capaces de un te amo Que tus manos pueden dar un buen abrazo Y tus pasos ir en busca de tu hermano Aprovecha would you describe your own musical style or do you have one? Well, yes, it is hard for me to <laughs> to find a word to, to describe my music style. But I would say that I love folk music and folk arts, you know, mm -hmm. and I think um, my wish is to be a folk artist also. And what I love the most about music is to see how, you know, makes the people uh, rejoice and dance and share with others and yes yeah, so my 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 goal is to make music on art i mean music and poetry that is why what i you know uh, work with most of the time uh, that goes directly to the heart of the people Recently, I had the wonderful experience after two years of singing to a screen <laughs> to be with a large crowd down there in Colombia. I was invited to a concert. And for me to be with my people, 2,000 people, let's say, or something like that, singing songs, folkloric songs uh, from the bottom of our hearts uh, was, you know, such a gift for me. And, when, when doing so, I was kind of remembering, this is my call. This is why I was born for. 
So yes. yes, I would say that my my goal and my style is to make folk music for, my, for the people. this is what you're born for because there is something about doing what God has made you to do which can't be described in any other way I mean there, there are times I myself feel that if, if, if I'm preaching the word uh, or teaching uh, a class or you know you, you feel this is what God made me to do absolutely <laughs> Uh, and and so there's something deeply satisfying about that. But what's what's interesting as I as I've got to know you, Santiago, is that um, you've actually studied this to some depth. In other words, you you have both a degree in music uh, from the uh, university in Bogota, as well as having done a, a degree in theology through the seminary in Medellin. And it's interesting that you somehow chosen to combine these two, a uh, musical degree and a theological degree, Do you, did you see them as parallel tracks or are they somehow integrated together in your thinking? I remember that when I went to the Langham, um, you know, encountered in Arizona, I told the people there that the main... Um, you know the, the the main task to do in our societies, or the ma the main need in our societies in our societies is always a theological need. It's always a theological need. I I, I know it can it can, it might sound kind of you know <laughs> self centered as we are theologians. Yeah, maybe the mathematicians would say that <laughs> it's a mathematician need, or uh, I don't know that. Um, what I'm trying to say is that I do think that uh, the main challenge for in, in our societies is regarding our mindset. And our mindset comes absolutely, mostly, utterly from our theological point of view, whether we recognize it or no. Um, and on the other hand, on the other hand, uh, music is a vehicle, uh, no, not a vehicle. I don't want to use that word. No, no, no. A language. Vehicle is too is too pra pragmatic word. It's like making music just a mean to do to do something else, and I don't uh, consider it as it. <laughs> but uh, yes, a language, a language that yeah. goes directly to heart. So it's a very, very. Uh, beautiful way to put good stuff in the heart of somebody else of on your own heart in the heart of your people so i'd say that yes um these two vocations and as theologian as artist uh, combines in that intersection you know um trying to 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 give something for the shift of our mindset in terms of our theological comprehension, comprehension, and at the same time in a language that goes directly to our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I mean, it's it's interesting that music comes very early in the Bible, doesn't it? I mean, you know, it, it, as a gift of God within human culture, it's right there in the early chapters of Genesis of, of those who were the in- inventors, we're told, of musical instruments, yeah. as well as Jubal. the inventors of uh, <laughs> of agricultural implements and so on. Uh, that 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 music is a, a God given gift to the, to human beings made in the image of God. So in itself, it is a theological reality. Um, which, of course, like all things human, can be distorted and abused and polluted, Absolutely. but has the potential to, to speak to the heart as well as to the mind. So the, the, the question to come on from that then would be, can you sort of give any examples of how your theology or your theological studies have impacted your music, but also vice versa, ways in which your musical understanding and gifts have affected or helped to shape your theology? Yes, of course. Uh, well, let me tell you a story, a very brief story. Um, maybe three months ago, yes, three months ago, when the end, when the summer was ending here in Canada, uh, we were uh, we went for a for a travel to Ottawa, the capital of Canada, and we went to a very very beautiful place in the in the hill, the promenade, where the capital is and they were two street musicians you know performing there <laughs> yeah. as they presented themselves uh, they were two buskers that was yeah. the, the the word they used and i didn't know what it meant it means and i looked for and okay very very interesting word uh, and when singing there uh, it happens that the 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 sun went down you know uh, the the moment was magical the light was very soft and tender and everyone started you know to the people was you know chatting and there were a couple of old um, you know folks uh, a marriage and they start dancing with each other and yes, yeah, lovely it yeah. was lovely and when mm-hmm. watching that, I saw that is what, why I would like to do with music, you know, not to make something which is, um, which has this religious taste uh, that in, in certain way tries to manipulate emotions or something, but this thing that is just beautiful that don't ask for attention and at the same time is clearly the you know let's put it this way the, the sauce that make that everything else happens uh, so yes for my, my goal is not to make a, a, a song which is I don't know um, a, a, a compendium are, 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 I don't know how to say that this in English, but in, in Spanish we would say un ladrillo, a brick, a brick yes. <laughs> of theological concepts, but, but something that is at the same time deep and gentle and humble, you know, to reach out the hearts of people, even uh, without be, being noticed.
fascinating because there are those who would say that uh, you know a Christian writing songs should be writing songs that preach the gospel um, if it's going to be a bridge for the gospel in some way um, and it sounds that what you're saying to me is that music has the power to touch hearts and minds and emotions in a way that uh, enables people to see something good and beautiful which is of course what the gospel is and in that sense can be a pointer a signpost perhaps towards the gospel rather than being overtly um, evangelistic in the way that some of the older gospel hymns were, for example. Yeah, which are very is, valuable. Is yeah, saying? absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm just wondering how then you would distinguish that from those who I know who have a definite vocation and calling to write hymns and songs for Christians to sing. Uh, people like Keith Getty and uh, and others, um, Stuart Town, Townend and so on. There's, there's a number of them, certainly in the English language, who are gifted poets Absolutely. and theologians. They're, they're trying to bring some biblical theology into their hymns and they can actually write music that the rest of us can sing, which isn't true of all uh, modern music. So you would see these as, in a sense, distinctive callings because you're obviously not, let's say, you're not a hymn writer, but you are a songwriter. <laughs> Is that fair? Uh, well, uh, I think both are, you know, legitimate vocations, absolutely. Uh, I myself have written some songs, you know, in order to be with the purpose, mm -hmm. you know, of being, you know, sang with a congregation or something. Sure. And good, good. right now, for example, we have worked in a project called Canta Palabra, in Spanish is something like let's sing the word, but in Spanish is kind of catchy, you know, it's like a play of words, yeah. canta palabra. Um, and they are intended to be sing in, uh, in a community, you know. Uh, so they are both legitimate uh, vocations. What it is, uh, you know, kind of dangerous or tempting is to start making a uh, spiritual jingles, mm -hmm. which is other things, yes. you know. Yes. One thing is to express legitimate and truly and honestly about the greatness of our God and to express our worship in a very honest, uh, real way. And other thing is just to know that this is the thing that works uh, in commercial terms, that is the thing, the, the, the words that rhymes always <laughs> and start yes. producing just spiritual jingles that has the same value or artistic value, existential value of a jingle. And we uh, artists, Christian artists, uh, that we believe in, in, in a faith, we must be very aware of it. And by all the possible means to fight against that temptation, because of yeah. course we want recognition of, of, of course we want success. I need to mind to, you know, to, to make a living. So the temptation to start doing uh, jingles would be mm -hmm. uh, significant. Yeah. yeah. And sadly, there is a lot of Christian, so-called Christian songs, which are a little more than jingles. They're just sort of rhymes put to music that are, there's no nourishment in them. You know, they're, they're froth. 
Uh, they're like sort of sugary sweets that taste nice, but really don't feed feed the soul or feed the heart with any real truth. Um, and I'm glad to hear you say that that's not what you're about. Um, in, in what way then, since this these podcasts are talking about being on mission, um, in what way would you see what you do in music and art as being mission? Yes. Eu, well, let me let me quote an uh, a writer. Um, he wrote a book called Art Needs No Justification. It's a very, very tiny book. Maybe I have it here. Somewhere. somewhere by a philosopher uh, named uh, Hans Ruckmacher. He was a, yeah. a, a Dutch yeah. philosopher. Yes. And he wrote this very, very tiny book, booklet. And he says that uh, the post uh, cr- the post Christian Europe won't be re-evangelized because they are uh, they, there are tons of Christian songs, tons of Christian plays, tons of Christian books, or even science. Uh, but because there are tons of excellence, uh, you know. Um, yeah, you know, deep, uh, insightful songs, uh, books, plays about life, about our deepest questions. And those who appreciate the richness of those works uh, would, will notice sooner than later that their intelligence and their spark comes from the faith of their authors. That is wonderful. And that was so, you know, uh, yeah, uh, very, very, you know, um, empowering to me, you know, to read this and to to think, yes, there is a pathway to explore in that way. To make music that is not just religious because I am Christian, so I am supposed to make religious music. No, but to make songs which are, uh, you know, deep, insightful, poetic, beautiful. And of course, that, that it, not to make explicit because it's not something that we have to make, but to let the people know, yes, naturally, that that beauty comes from our faith. And I, fa- yes, I've, I found that that is the most evangelistic thing which is kind of weird you know because when when you are not trying you know to put your beliefs in some other person uh, it happens that now the other person really uh, gets you know interested on what you believe yeah well i think uh, people respond to authenticity absolutely that when they see that a person's art or music comes from an authentic faith and that faith has, you know, a a reasoned, warranted basis uh, in truth and in the gospel, then there's something about humanity which which respond, well, can easily reject it, but can also respond to it and, and respond to it by turning to God. And I'm also thinking as we're talking that 
the Psalms, the book of Psalms, of course, is rich because it, it does have almost jingles. <laughs> Not quite, but there are, there are some places <laughs> where it's just, it's just pouring out hallelujahs, you know, uh, to God. Let everything pray. So, <coughs> you know, Psalm 150 and so on. But there's also the, the, the deeply thoughtful praise of God and his glory for a whole range of things that he's good at. And also there are the songs of pain and suffering and grief and lament and protest, Absolutely. very powerful protest against injustice and so on. So it seems to me that the music of the Psalms, and I, I wish we could hear what their music mm, absolutely. was, um, but we have to imagine that. But the, the, the depth of the musical reality that God has given us in the book of Psalms must also be quite an inspiration to you as well, I imagine. Absolutely. It is. It is. Even I have thought that maybe the reason why David was called a man after God's heart is not absolutely. It's very clear that it, it is not, uh, you know, related to his uh, high standards of morality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But instead of that, I'd say that they are, it is related to his authenticity and his his you know walk with God walking with God you know he's walking with God I mean along with him along his life yes That's it for today's episode. Join us next week for part two of Chris and Santiago's captivating conversation. They'll discuss one of Santiago's best-known songs and the real-life story of the cartel hitman turned pastor he met in seminary who inspired it. They'll also be touching on the devastating recent history in Colombia and the resilience of God's people there. Thanks for joining us today and follow the link in the episode description to hear more of Santiago's music including his newest project, Canta Palabra. Again, I'm Angel Torero, and thank you for joining me for On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to discover how they multiply and equip leaders around the world. If you enjoyed today's conversation, will you let us know by giving us a review and sharing this with a friend, and then join me for future episodes where we'll be talking to leaders in Zambia, Palestine, Kenya, Brazil, and beyond. We look forward to having you join for our next episode of On Mission with Chris Wright. In the meantime, God bless. Mm -hmm.